Hello, there we go. It went. Hey, I hear you. So you can hear me fine? Yeah, let me turn you off. But uh, I get you on my regular phone. Oh, okay. There we go. Otherwise, it sounds echoey. Oh, it's echoey know. right now. Is it echoey right now? Are you on speaker? Uh, I'm not. I'm on my AirPods. Oh, maybe that's it. AirPods. Just try to unplug it. I'm trying to maybe figure out if I plug a microphone in mine and the other person plugs a microphone in their phone, will it be a better sound recording? I don't know. I'm going to try to find out. I'll have to ex- continue to experiment with it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Now it's not echoing. I just hear myself. Yeah. I still hear you a little bit echoey. Hmm. So, Christy Shin, you are the author of a graphic novel. Is this your first or your only one? Uh, actually, this character is, she's got about three graphic novels. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. She's an ongoing character. So, is this a character that you created? It is a character that I created. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so the other, this is the third one that you've done. And well, it, yeah. So what's it about? Well, it's about a low-level demon from the 13th pit of hell where people throw their dog shit and gum rubbers. And she <laughs> wants to bring the second coming of Armageddon, but the, she never got the memo for the first one So because she's stupid. Well, that's good. That sounds like a good plan for a demon to have, you know, to bring about Armageddon. That's good. That's like a demon-sounding thing. If I was a demon, I'd probably want to do something like that. Yeah, she's really stupid. She gets uh, distracted by promiscuous sex and hard drugs. (laughs) Yeah, I'd probably do that. The sex part, not so much the drugs part. Probably like cheeseburgers and like ice cream, stuff like that. That's what I would be distracted by. And sex. Yeah, well, you know, you had the condiment god, so there you go. There we go. Yeah. Oh, let me make sure this is set up right. So anyway, yeah, Anchor is uh, really good. It has, uh, it monetizes it for you. You can have your own podcast about your character and you know so far i've earned like two dollars and 43 cents or something like that <laughs> i know really in riches right yeah if i got millions you know like you gotta start somewhere so you know i'm trying this for a while i've had some other i've had some other uh uh podcast platforms and other people were taking the tiny amount of money that I got from those. And I really have no idea. There's a bunch on YouTube, but it's not even my YouTube channel. So I don't even know what's going on with, with those, those are old podcasts, but you know, I'm going to keep going. I quit doing the podcast and then I start doing it again. And, you know, maybe podcasts are passe, you know, maybe I've missed the boat. I don't know. But this is the first interview of a graphic novel uh, author. Do you also do drawings and illustrations or just writing? Oh, no, I do. Uh, I'm actually primarily an artist. That's where I started okay. from. So I've got a background in fine art, graphic art, and illustration. And then I actually ended up getting to writing. And I actually wrote Personal Monsters. That's more of a traditional type book. Uh, but I drew the pictures first. And then I went on to Sepulchre, which was good. And it was but a big storyboard all the way through. But then I kind of put it on pause because the story didn't go as a big storyboard. And then Demon Bitch kind of helped me hone the storyboard thing. But now I'm going into writing where I'm actually writing an outline. Right. So you just draw the drawings first and then you put the words on it? 
But well, I would draw, I would like storyboard it out, like what they would say in the dialogue. I didn't initially work from a script point of view. Now I but, kind of am. Like now, now you're doing I, an outline first. Yeah, I usually just draw it first. Uh, that's how I used to do it because I'm mostly a visual person. But now I've been learning it's okay to go and write out an outline and all this other stuff. It kind of puts my brain in a different way. When I was little, I wanted to be Herb Trimpey when I was little. When I was growing up, who's a, for those of you who don't know, is a famous Marvel artist, and he drew my favorite comic book, which was The Hulk. And I used to, and he was kind of a Jack Kirby imitator, but he had his own little quirkiness, and he was wonderful. And then I used to just take entire pages that he had drawn and draw them myself. And after a while, I just thought it was boring. So I decided I don't want to do this. But and I went into more esoteric kind of art. And I have a master's degree in fine art. I have a well, I have a bachelor's degree in fine art from the Otis Art, Otis art Institute of Parsons School of Design mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. And then I have a I did my master's work at the California Institute of the Arts in Valencia. And. I like comics. I still do. <clears throat> but, you know, oddly enough, since I have a fine art background, I don't really look at, when I look at comics, I don't really look at the artistic end of comic books. I do to a certain extent. I just read, like, mainstream Marvel. But now it's so terrible that I can't look at it. So... Mm. Well, what I've seen lately, I don't know. For a while, I stopped buying comic books because I was so broke. I was oh, in yeah. art school. And then I started reading them again online and uh, just found that I was still very emotionally attached to the comic book characters, all the Marvel comic book characters. Not so much the DC characters because I didn't really read them and they didn't really grab me like... <laughs> Excuse me, Marvel characters did. Did you grow up reading comic books or what kind yeah. of comic books? Well, yeah, I mean, I wrote the DC and Marvel Fair, but it's kind of interesting. I got more into anime and independent. Right. Uh, I actually really like Adam Warren back in the day when I was 13. He would do Dirty Pair, which was the American port of the actual anime. And I was a fan of the actual anime. And, uh, I looked at all the other, like Robotech. I grew up with Robotech. I know that kind of isn't like manga per se that I read it, but it was tied in whenever you could get it. And there was Robotech, there was Voltron. I liked the Lion Voltron. I was always pissed at the Car Voltron. And they would just jack us up and throw in the Car Voltron episode, which pissed me off. I grew up with Star Blazers, uh, Galaxy 999. And... I just read all so sorts of like indie books and like in when I was in college this dates me like you had gen 13 you had image come out anime became more prevalent so you could buy the manga more easily like I would have to go to Japantown in the Bay Area to even get anything right and they wouldn't be translated into English I am not Japanese my background is Korean so I know some Japanese but I'm not intense about Jap Japanese yeah yeah, I'm I'm not that fluent in Korean, but I know enough. I know all the bad words. But what, yeah, what? I grew up with Masumune Shiro. He did Appleseed, Dominion. Uh, you have uh, Rumiko Takahashi. She did Yurase Natsuro, a.k.a. Lum. And then she did the Mermaid series. And, you know, you had Mizuaki. And then I'm just thinking of, like, all the other ones. I, I like Johnny the Homicel Maniac and Filler Bunny. So... There was a lot of comics that I was into, and then I also started getting into Love and Rockets and the Fantagraphics series. And that's the first one that I know that you even have mentioned, but maybe some of the other people that are listening will know some of that stuff. But you know, maybe I could look up some of it. But you know, I'm always I'm always open to wanting to look. And the thing is, buying more stuff is like a problem yeah. for me because I'm like trying to get rid of all this stuff like my whole life. I've been this pack rat and I've got tons of comic books. I've got 30,000 phonograph records 
And right now I've abandoned it all, all my possessions and just put it in uh, storage. And I'm trying to get rid of it and not every day, but I, once a week or so I go through and open a box of stuff and just am throwing stuff away. And so buying other things, I'll probably, you know, just look up online. I probably will get, what I'll probably do is just continue to be more mainstream and get Marvel online, uh, Marvel digital. So I can read comic books from the seventies and sixties on my phone, you know, in the middle of the night at two in the morning when I can't sleep. Yeah. I haven't yeah, no, really. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Well, I was just saying that, yeah, Marvel and DC, um, I know a lot of people were going like, oh, you can do the online thing, but really a lot of the, a lot of indies are kind of like not indies, but the electronic uh, copies are like comiXology, which I think is going to be amalgamated back into Kindle. Um, Comixology was inundated with the big brands like DC, Marvel, Image, all these other guys. So it's like, yeah, indie people like us, when we're encouraged to do it, but we're swamped under all this. So, you know, running Kickstarters, amassing followers, not buying followers, but amassing followers and getting people that honestly do your work, it is kind of an uphill thing but you just have to network you have to go out and table you have to just talk to people like on podcasts like this go in a show invest in a table you know talk to people at cons you know and most importantly like actually be nice yeah i don't mean a pushover i know in this town people say oh you don't be too nice but that's not nice that's being a pushover yeah, I do comedy and, you know, it's it's just trying to get anywhere and comedy is just hellish. It's like yeah. a day, just a daily battle, you know, and uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's the entertainment industry. So there's just like 99% of it or 99.9999% of it is just complete bullshit. So it's, it's just, it's horrible in a lot of ways, but you have to... Uh, you have to enjoy it so much. You have to, you know, love it more than life itself in order to like you even want to do it. You know, I was just uh in Lake Havasu, it was in Arizona and Utah and uh was in a place in California called Hemet headlining and you know, I'd really love to just stay on the road, you know, but you know, it's very difficult to do that. I don't have a TV show or wasn't in a TV show. I'm not like a washed up TV actor who went into stand up. You know, that way you can really, you know, get out there and all the clubs will take you, you know? Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know if there's a comic that also does uh, uh, comic, a comic book. That would be interesting. That would be an interesting aside. Like, seems like that world would kind of, you know, collide or collude a little bit in an interesting way. I've uh, got a lot of artworks that I made throughout the years that I'm putting on T-shirts, and I'm starting to buy copies of them and want to have a table and do uh, some of and have some of my T-shirts there and some of my designs there, uh, you know, when I perform. So I'm working on that. But... I would love to just do a comic book. That would be fun. Or just write for Marvel. But I have no idea how to do it, you know, because I grew up with those characters. I could probably come up with some great stuff. Or maybe I would suck. I don't know. But, you know, again, that's a full-time job. Is this your full-time job doing comics? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I run my own show, Lunch Hour, and it's a video of me drawing like literally almost every day, Monday through Friday, save for Wednesday. And, oh, really? Yeah, and it has a bit of a following. I mean, it's not like a huge, huge, huge following, but it's on 12.30 to 1.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And I have it on my Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook Live. And okay, I have cool. a Patreon up and things like that. That's wonderful. I've tried to. That's a great idea. You know, I it would be wonderful if, like, you know, 
Jack Kirby, you know, did that throughout his career, you know, that would be just wonderful. Or John Buscema or Herb Trimpey or uh, John Byrne or, you know, the artists that I know, you know, everything's documented now or can be then, you know, it was very much not. And I remember reading that many of the original uh, drawings that they did for comic books in the 60s or that Jack Kirby did, some of them were actually thrown away because they didn't have room or people yeah, were just taking them home. It's unbelievable. It's unthinkable now. Yeah, I mean, it evolved that way, I think. Um, now everything's digital or archived or they have this CBG, you know, where they uh, put the comic in like kind of a book. You know, they t put it in like, I I'm totally brain farting now, but CBG or CBBG, it's like where they rate the comics. And they put it in like right. a plastic box. Um, right, I so don't you have that. Right. Yeah, they have that now. But back in the day, the laws were much different for artists and writers. And nowadays, artists and writers have so much more personal power and leeway uh, in compared to what they used to do in Kirby's time. And yeah, and he yeah. was the first one to sue his family, not him. He's dead, of course, in the early eighties. But he uh, actually was the first family, the first estate that was actually able to sue. And Disney actually settled with them, his family. Yeah. And before that, no one settled Marvel. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it was more of, uh, you know, what is it? It's like per page or it's a contractual thing. Yeah, it um, used to be they used to get paid per page like, Steve Ditko was paid per page for the first, I think it was the first 35 uh, Spider-Man comic books. And he's considered the co-creator or one of the co-creators of Spider-Man. But he had to actually sue with his own money to get on the first Spider-Man movie. So that it would say Spider-Man created by Steve Ditko and Steve Martin. I mean, Steve Martin, Steve Stanley. <laughs> Stan Lee and Steve Ditko rather than uh, just Stan Lee because that's what the movie was was going to say and that isn't true and in fact there were actually two other people the Jack Kirby and another uh, editor who was working at the comic book where he originally Jack Kirby originally created Spider-Man or a version of it and he showed it to Stan Lee, and then he came back to work for Marvel. And and Stan Lee just kind of took it from him and gave it to Steve Ditko and said, here, we need to do this comic book. And there was a, I guess when they originally created Spider-Man, or when he originally created him in 1958, uh, Spider-Man had a web gun. And there was some editor who wrote... Uh, well, you know, you should have Spider-Man do more spider-like things like climb on walls and swing on webs. And you should just shoot the webbing out of his hands, not out of a spider gun. Mm -hmm. So, but nobody knows uh, what uh, those drawings look like. And if if Jack Kirby still has them or had them in his estate, that could have been the impetus for uh, Disney finally settling with them because that would mean that Spider-Man was created or partially created outside of the contract when mm -hmm. he was not working for Marvel. And so yeah. that would mean, you know, their flag character, uh, they would lose partial rights to it. And so, but, you know, who knows? This is all a, it's a huge, rights to all this stuff is a huge convoluted mess and they're constantly fighting over it and changing the copyrights. I guess all the Marvel characters are going to go into uh, the public domain in 25 years. So Disney is going to have to move to attempt to change the laws so they don't. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they'll be successful. They have in the past been successful in doing that. So what about uh, your character? How many? There's been three You've just worked on that comic book or have you worked for other comic book companies? I actually have worked on other comic books. Um, looking back, I worked on other, you know, anthologies, anthologies, excuse me, 
I'm just like a little tired myself. I mostly self-publish, but I worked on mine. It was an anthology for Planned Parenthood. That won a Wine Ringer Award in 2018. And the most recent anthology I, I worked at is Nightmare Theater. And I wrote a story actually about um, my near cancer scare. And before it sounds standard, <laughs> I kind of had a precancerous scare. Uh, what ended up happening was is that I wasn't feeling too hot. And I ended up screwing myself up or something. I was just, just kept getting sick. So I eventually went to the emergency room because I thought I had a latent kidney infection or something. They did an ultrasound, which kind of hurt more than what I thought it was going to be. And it turned out it was a tumor in my pancreas. And for some reason, I feel like I played Russian roulette without even being invited to. <laughs> Right. And uh, it was basically uh, it only affected two to three percent out of all the pancreatic tumors. It was that. Secondly, it attacked it attacks black women and Asian women. And lastly, I seem to have got it just in time and they removed the bad stuff out. They had told me I would be diabetic and no, I'm not. No, that's good. Yeah, yeah I lost my first wife to cancer and again, a similar Ooh. And Sorry. she, oh, she was a long time ago. She was 25. Oh, just a little baby. And I was 30. I was just a little baby, too. And uh, I was a 30 year old baby. And she, uh, she passed away from that. It was just a long, horrible uh, death from cancer. And, you know, I didn't know how to handle it. I still don't. It was just, uh, it was just to just put me in shock. Well, it's shitty losing a spouse and secondly, yeah. young. It's, I it can was, only it imagine. Was, it was unbelievable. And so anyway, so, you know, I can, I can relate to that whole thing, but, you know, you're still here and that's good. They're able to get in time with her that they, they weren't. And we were thinking of suing because Planned Parenthood probably could have caught it earlier, oh. but they didn't. But, you know... <clears throat> It's all water under the bridge, and that's so many, so many years ago now. Yeah. God, that was that was twenty five years ago or twenty years ago, a long time ago. So, what is your what else is your comic book about? What else does this demon do? Do they watch television? Do they <laughs> live in the regular world? Do they exist in an alternate universe? They live it. They live in the regular world. It's kind of one of those things. She's a demon and weird-looking characters running around, but it's like nobody really gives a damn because they're that insignificant. <laughs> it's kind of like you know when you think of demons, you think oh these horrible, awful things that are going to destroy you and take your soul and do horrible things to you and scratch you and follow you home. And this demon is just this idiot that is just she'll hurt you if you let her. Like, just don't invite her in your house. Not because she'll suck the life out of you, but she'll just sponge off of you monetarily. Does Does she live in an apartment or does she live in like... When she's lucky, uh, when she's able to sponge off people, but sometimes she manages to like live in a storage shed or sometimes in the alley when she's hiding from her pimp and drug dealers. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like... When I went to L.A., you know how Matt Groening had Life in Hell and he had the bunnies? Right. That was one of my favorite comics as a kid. Probably that explains why I'm so screwed up. But uh, Of course. <laughs> I, I had my own Life in Hell story, apparently. I, I just like, you know, when you move to L.A. and you initially make friends and you meet people and initially that aren't great. But right. as you keep digging either in entertainment, of comics, et cetera, or whatever, you actually find your tribe. And I don't mean your clique, but you find really good people. Yeah, I found some good people. I've also found some really bad people, or some really bad people have found me. For a while, yeah. I had uh, narcissists, people with narcissistic personality disorder uh, coming after me, and I didn't know what that was. And what happens is the person, this is kind of like a, a demon story. The, the ones that I would be involved with were female. 
And what they do is they love bomb you. They become your best lover, your perfect lover. And then they discard you like during the worst time to create as much drama as possible. Like when I was in the hospital and I had just died from uh, uh, having a necrotic organ and they abandoned yeah. me then. Another one abandoned me just before Christmas. And it was to cause as much tr- pr- trouble and drama as they possibly can. And yeah. then they'll run a slander campaign against you. And then they start after a while when they need more narcissistic supply, they will uh, suck you back into the relationship. But it's a cluster B personality disorder. I know a lot about it now. I didn't know what it was till I got the, I saw hey, this is a pattern. These women are doing this. And so I had to look it up and uh, then they hoover you back into the relationship but it's just to cause you more emotional pain and give themselves more narcissistic supply. What happens to them is they're touched inappropriately when they're little or they are uh, beaten or both or neglected or all three. And then what happens during adolescence is rather than become a normal fucked up person like you or me, they become a narcissist which is they form a hard shell around the injured child within. Then they create this ideal person on the outside and uh, uh, feed, use that ideal person to get praise and warmth and, and attention and, or drama or anything they can use to f- show that they're important in somebody else's lives. And they use that to feed this injured child within and unfortunately, it's a completely uh, uncurable uh, personality disorder. Cluster B personality disorders are psychopaths, sociopaths, and narcissists. So that's kind of like your demon. Kind of like I was attacked by one of your demons. Yeah. I mean, time. it's a way to make fun of it. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, being told how to deal with it, and this society is kind of shitty because they go like, oh, well, either A, you're too nice or B, you know, well, you can't do anything about it anyway. So they won. And I disagree with both things. Um, I'm not saying you could recoup the money that you've lost or the time that you've lost with people like that. But you can express your anger about it. You can say, hey, this wasn't okay." And sometimes when people just say shit to just say shit because they just want to go and I don't know, say something clever and really it doesn't work for them or anybody. Like for me, when I have dealt with things myself, at least it's made me more empathetic. Like when I've had people talk about crappy things that have happened to them and I just say to them, well, did you learn from the experience? Now do not confuse this with somebody saying, well, did you learn your lesson? like this isn't a punitive thing like if you trusted somebody and you cared about somebody that it's like oh did you learn your lesson if you say it that way they're going to say well i'll never trust anybody again but it perpetuates that cycle because usually when people just have given me shit for being true yeah i'm here yeah i'm here usually when people go oh well you're so trusting when you look at those people that say that they have such small lives because they don't want to expand and actually trust somebody else. But they want to inherently trust somebody else. I think that's not bad for anybody to do. Yeah, you know, it's very uh, it's very competitive, very backstabbing in the uh, in the comedy world. Then there's other just very nice people, you know. It's just... Uh, there's, yeah, you should never all, lose sight of that. There's all kinds of weird you know, things going on and, and I am entirely unequipped to handle it. I have no idea what I'm doing, but you know, I just, I just keep doing it. And, uh, there's a lot of, you know, dangerous people and predatory people that kind of come after you and other very nice people. And, you know, you have to try to, you know, after eight years, you know, I'm trying to figure out who is who, you know what I mean? Over time. Well, trust and your see if I can. Trust huh? your gut and learn how to separate fear from your gut. Yeah. That's all yeah, you, you know. Do. 
and sometimes it is hard. Yeah, I have, I have uh, no idea, and I know now what a narcissist is, and that's good. The only two female comics I ever dated were uh, narcissists. <laughs> oh, like, well, there you go. <clears throat> wow, and then other com- female comics have like shown some interest. And I was like scared. I'm like, oh no, is this another narcissist? I have no idea. But now I know how to tell by talking to somebody if they're a narcissist. And so I I find out. But yeah, just your story of the demon reminds me of, of that. That sounds interesting. I'm going to have to actually look this up. But I've never interviewed like a comic book person before. And I'd, I'd love to do that. I'd love to, you know... I'm doing it now. So that's why I jumped to the opportunity. But, you know, I'd love to get people from not just comics on my podcast, but, you know, anyone that I, political figures, philosophers, authors, and just get as many interesting kind of people as I can and interact with them. I don't know. Athletes, just anyone I can find that does some interesting stuff would be would be good and this is you know this is interesting so you go and you do you go to you go to comic cons and also to comic book uh stores and you make a tell your that's good because that way if you're independent too then that way the money can just go in your pocket Hmm. yeah i mean it you kind of sometimes have to work out deals with comic book stores but overall yeah you're getting kind of you're kind of echoing. Let me see how long how long have we been talking? It's about a half an hour. Huh? It's been about a half an hour. Yeah, I just looked at the the time on the thing. The so where can people go to find this uh, book? Do you have a website and it's yes, available on Amazon? It is available on Amazon. If if you want to sign copy, just go on my store on horatorastudios.com. And you can go ahead and purchase it through my Square uh, website, store website. Spe- spell that out so people can find it. www.horatorastudios.com. You know, it's sad that the comic book store is disappearing. It's it's sad that's that's happening everywhere. You know, the Golden Apple used to be such a huge store and such a huge part of Hollywood of uh, Melrose. Now it's a little tiny shell of its former self, which is too bad. It used to be a, a place where they had events and things like that. It's just kind of sad that the, you know, the also the comic book is dying as well because of the spinner rack going away. And what they found out is the comic book stores don't create new comic book fans. Mm-hmm. That kind of sucks. It kind of is uh, <clears throat> a bad thing, I think, in the world. But, you know, I guess digital comics are the future. And those will be evolving as people make them digitally. How do you work? What kind of uh, do you work with paint and ink and? Well, I am an artist and I am a resident artist at the Hive Gallery and Studios. And what I'm doing right now is that I do artwork that's, I call jokingly analog. So that's paint and ink and things like that. But I work in comics as digital because it's easier to edit. But then in the middle, sometimes if somebody commissions me something, they either go digital or quote unquote analog. So I work mostly what? in watercolor and paint and ink. Okay, and then do you digitize it at some point to do the to add the uh, dialogue? Uh, with the comics, it's all digital. Okay, so you do the paintings and then you digitize the paintings and then you add the thought and word and speech balloons. Oh, from the ground up. For comic files, I just work completely digital. Okay. So there you don't do any painting? You paint in a electronic format? Yes, I draw in an electronic format. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm totally unfamiliar with it. So it's interesting to me. 
I have no idea. You know, I was, when I was doing, uh, thinking of doing comic books, I wanted to start out as an inker and then, uh, go to drawing afterwards as many of them did because then they used to do it was done differently than it was now they would do the drawings and then there would be another artist that would do the inking on top of the drawings and there'll be another artist that would do the color on top of the drawings and the inkings and then they would add the balloons afterwards but they had to do it uh all by hand and then there were letterers that came in and actually did the lettering in the little balloons Mm -hmm. but now everything's just electronic so i guess comics are being made in all kinds of different there are some people that traditionally ink and paint for me it's easier for editing it's digital yeah, I decided I didn't want to spend my life uh, in sitting in front of a uh, an easel painting. I decided or a drawing. I decided that's not going to be a life for me. In fact, even my life as a uh, fine artist, when I was showing in galleries and museums. Yeah, so, I don't know what happened. It just shut us off. And I'm like, it's like, oh, you're done. I'm like, how did that happen? Yeah, it was weird. hopefully you have the first half of it. I should be able to uh, I have that on there. And then I can add it together in the little editing thing there. And then you put a little commercial on it that they provide. And uh, it gives you a tiny, tiny amount of uh, money, a few pennies with each broadcast but you know if i was able to get hundreds of thousands then i guess it would be you know an income i could i guess i could also do it on youtube but i don't really think that youtube i don't know it's more difficult on youtube because you can't do live streaming on youtube interesting well you can actually i think you need to start it though yeah, I think you need to have a certain number of sub- subscribers in order to do that. Yeah. And that's too bad, you know, the, uh, but I guess they would just have everyone doing it all day, but who knows, eventually maybe it'll just be, everyone will be live streaming all the time. Like you are on uh, Facebook and if your channel, you know, watching people watching you draw and paint and create was getting, you know, millions of views on Facebook, there would be no way to get paid directly through Facebook, I don't think, unless you had an online event, they do allow that. And then, but I'm not sure how that works. And then uh, I think where you can get paid. And then, uh, but you could just do the Patreon and have people give you money if they do. I've tried that, but it hasn't worked for me as a comic. No yeah. one's given me money. I used to have an educational show for the Libertarian Party. And occasionally I would have a sponsor, somebody sending me checks uh-huh. uh, to continue to do the show, some Libertarians, and also other Libertarians that I knew would be supporting the show. But eventually I got tired of raising money, you know, being a fundraiser. That was the thing that pretty much killed me being a broadcaster, being a host of a uh, of the Libertarian Alternative, which was a show that was being shown in 
various places on educational and uh, public mm-hmm. access channels was that I just burned out on fundraising. I just mm-hmm. wasn't uh, I wasn't ready to do that anymore. Do you fundraise for your books or to print them? I do done Kickstarter have- for my books. What? I've done Kickstarter for my books. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've read about three successful Kickstarters for um, to fund my books in general, and they get higher each time, so that's kind of nice. And I'm going to run a Kickstarter probably in March of next year. That's where I'm looking at it. So are you going to do a new book on this character? Are you working on any other characters? Uh, right now I'm working on that. I do have a Murder Ballads tarot deck that's coming out. And uh, that should be it. I'm coming out with a Demon Bitch game, so I'm kind of like working on that too. Is that going to be a board game or an online game? That will be an online game. We're probably going to release the beta test like every level for every Kickstarter. And up. we're working with um, like at a certain tier. That's what's going to happen. And uh, we're going to probably beta test each level when it comes out with a Kickstarter. And then we'll put the, the whole game together in a gold master, probably put it up on GOG. What is the, what is GOG? What's that? Uh, good old games. Okay. So you're, you're talking about a lot of stuff I knew nothing about, but you know, I'm interested in learning. My well, GOG, thing. yeah, it's just indie, indie stuff. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. For indie games. Yeah. So it's indie games, like yeah. people that develop their own games. And how will you monetize that? You'll charge per download? I'm not really sure. I think it's per download eventually. Yeah. That's good. I think it's probably, you know, the future. Eventually, CBS will be, you know, there will no longer be a television, I, you know, digital being transferred. Well, probably through the air. But who knows? There might be more, you know, just downloads of it. Just like, uh, you know, Netflix is one advancement. But I think beyond that is just, I guess, going to Amazon, which is already here, and mm-hmm. just downloading, you know, or getting access to, you know, whatever it is, the content that you want, you know, just mm-hmm. buying it. Like, I wanted to get some of these Marvel TV shows and take a look at them like the Falcon one and uh, take a look at it and see if I like it. But, you know, I don't want to, I'll have to look into it and then I'll just be downloading it and watching it on my phone, you know, probably. (laughs) Right. But I don't want to have to subscribe to the whole Disney thing, which seems expensive, but I guess they're making it, you know, that's the only way to have uh, uh, you know, to get a lot of that content. And it's so strange. They're buying everything up. Disney bought Marvel. They bought mm-hmm. Winnie the Pooh. They bought the Muppets. They bought, I believe, Star, no, Star Trek is still owned by Warner. They bought Star Wars. Disney bought Star Wars. This is they're buying up every possible uh, thing out there that's iconic Americana, and you know they're ruining a lot. <laughs> we'll see how they do. Yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, yeah, a lot definitely. of don't like what they're doing. It. It's kind of like, Ugh. but you know, if you're alienating the fans, which they've done to a lot great extent, uh, what's the point? Why spend five billion to buy all these characters from Marvel, and which I understand was the cost. And then uh, wreck it, you know? Mm. Why do that? You know, why then you wreck Spider-Man and wreck, uh, uh, you know, all these characters? I heard. remember I heard Joe Rogan was saying, oh, they've run out of characters, you know? I said, well, that's not true really, Joe Rogan. They've run out of characters you've heard of. They've already done movies with all of the characters that, people have heard of like you know Thor and Hulk and Spider-Man and the Avengers and those characters and Ant-Man etc etc but there's an endless number of superheroes going all the way back to the 1930s that they own the rights to still and I'll be introducing like Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi 
I never knew how to pronounce it. And evidently, it's a it's a hit movie. It's doing well. But yeah, I guess it's really good. I mean, it looks like it's actually pretty well written for what it is. Yeah, you know, I loved it. It was a very esoteric, certainly for a comic book. And uh, I enjoyed that a lot. I liked it a lot. I used to read it. I used to have pretty much all of them. And uh, I sold them one day on Amazon. I sold the entire collection of them. Maybe, maybe I should have waited. They're probably worth more now. Who knows? But uh, the, uh, I was reading that growing up. I loved it. And I'm glad to see there's a movie. And I will get out there and see that movie eventually. And it's interesting to think, you know, that uh, Disney can take any of these characters now and make a TV show or an animated thing out of them, and it may become a huge hit, you know, and it could have, been, could have not worked in comics, but it may work very well in movies or TV shows. I think some of those things should become TV shows rather than try to continue to make, like, to try to do the Fantastic Four over and over again. Mm-hmm. Maybe better as a TV show, but it seems to me that Fantastic Four, if they did it right, could be the biggest movie franchise of all time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like 007 or something like that. Are there any there other independent comic books that you uh, look at or would recommend to people out there? Oh, uh, I like I, I like Akira. Akira, I was going to mention earlier. Akira is a good anime. It's a classic. Uh, anything by Miyazaki is pretty good. Uh, I would kind of go with Berserk. Berserk's not bad. Uh, the new anime, the Demon Slayer, is actually pretty nice. I like One Punch Man because the comedy. It's really friggin' funny. Castlevania, even though it's kind of in this weird thing, was written by by an American and English speaking audience and entertainment. Um, it might be European. I don't know all. I know Warren. I think Warren Ellis was writing that. Um, and that's actually an adaptation of. Uh, the Castlevania video games, and it's actually been pretty darn good. I haven't caught up with it yet, but it's a it's a good series. The first series was good, and I would say other comics. I, I'd go with. I mean, I'm kind of more adult because I like the weird stuff. So you know, anything with the uh, Love and Rockets. Uh, that's by the Hernandez brothers, and uh, they do Palomar right. as well. And then they have other ones like um, I'm just thinking. These are more of an adult stream of thought more of a mature audience and there's Megan Mogg by Simon Hanselman. That's a good one. Anything by Johnny Ryan. I love and Johnny Ryan's absolutely disgusting, but brilliant. I like that as well. And really to be fair, you need to like go and look at what you want to get. And for yeah. me, I'm mostly Indies just because they're warped as hell. And I love that. Right. Are the Hernandez still producing content material out there? Oh yeah. Um, I actually have one or more of the, whoops, actually don't be behind my chair. Sorry, my black cat got mad at me because I almost ran over her tail, but I didn't see her. Let me go to my bookcase really quick right here and see. Um, one of the Hernandez brothers just released about a year or two ago. Now I, we're kind of off because of COVID. Uh, it's called, like, is this, the, is this How You See Me? And that's done by Jaime Hernandez. And that's a more updated version of Love and Rockets, which actually kind of dates me again because I came out when... Like, I, let's just say I'm kind of a similar age range of Hopi and Maggie in the comics. So he aged them in real time. So it's yeah, kind of weird. I was I was telling him that when he signed my book. Um, I know him through my friend Lawrence Hubbard, and he does real, real deal comics, which is really good. I was in Japan about 20 years ago. I remember as we were riding around on the, uh, the subways all, all around Tokyo, with my first wife, there was uh, anime comic books, but they were all, of course, in, in Japanese. And mm-hmm. people would leave them sitting there on the chairs after they finished reading them. And they were black and white, newsprint, like books, uh, graphic novels, but thicker. And uh, some of them were very large, like phone book size. So people would just leave them on the subways, and other people would pick them up and read them, and then leave them back out there again i don't know if they still do that but that was interesting also at park benches and stuff like that you could find these anime sometimes half-sized phone book kind of things and people would just read them and when they were done reading them they would put them leave them somewhere else in a cafe or on a 
park bench, or a subway. I wonder if they still do that there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. And then when I was going to the, the comic book stores, I would always look over the anime section. I would look at some of the the uh, stuff, and it was in English. I would read a little bit, and I was thinking, oh, I might buy this one if it grabs it. But it was just such a huge uh, uh, area to get involved in, you know. It just was a, it was a big step for me in comics for some reason. But I'd always look, you know, I'd always look. But I never went so far as to buy because, again, I was getting into this thing of why, why I have so much stuff. Yeah, yeah, I need definitely. Stuff, you know, getting all this stuff, like I forwarded phonograph records my whole life. And, you know, now I've, I'm, I've re- I'm retired on them, basically. It's mm-hmm. funding my comedy, me being able to do comedy. Right. Yeah, I get paid very little to do comedy. And, <laughs> excuse me, I don't have COVID, I just have allergies. Oh, same here. But I have allergies myself. <laughs> I have to take Claritin and other stuff to keep from coughing. Like allergies make me cough. And people think I have COVID. I remember when I first came back from, uh, I was coming back from China. I was in China and I was in Thailand. And when I was coming back, it was at the beginning of COVID where people were starting to be paranoid about it. And I was coughing on the plane. So they came and they took my temperature, you know, and they were going to isolate me from me in the back behind some cellophane or something. But they found I didn't have a, a fever. So, okay. I just said I just have allergies. But it, that was very weird. It was a very weird uh, experience. So that was in China at the beginning of COVID. It was very strange. But anyway, I think that we've we've been at this for about 45 minutes, so I'm going to put these two segments together, and uh, I will uh, put it out there all over the place in uh, Facebook, and I'll send it to you, and maybe you can get it out there, too, in some places where people can listen to it, hopefully. Oh, yeah, and, just give uh, me the link, and I'll be happy to share it. And I'll continue to invite you out to my comedy shows. Maybe you can come out, hopefully, yeah. at some point. Yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. I mean, as I said, I apologize. I wasn't able to do, make it the Monday. I was just exhausted after Merced. I was driven yeah. down. I'm like, ugh, you know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean by exhaustion. I get just exhausted, too, trying to do comedy and run my business. So anyway, thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, thank you. What is your, uh, what is your, your name again? people can find uh, you online. they also buy your books on amazon they can buy your my books on amazon um but if they want a signed copy they'll have to go on my horatory studios website my name is christy shin uh h-o-r-a-t-o-r-a studios with a with an s dot com all right well thank you very much and uh thanks for being on pod potatoes and uh, i hope to uh see you soon all righty then thank you Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.